Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I ask you to stand with me real quickly, please. Hold your Bibles, your hands, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever. Hold it up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome all of you watching online. As I'm preaching, I want to encourage you to weigh in and, and exchange, give us some kind of feedback where you're watching from, things like that. We just like to connect with you. We've got to do a better job of that. So it's our effort today. And I want to thank Pastor Jesse for last weekend. You tore it up again, my friend. I tell you, it's, it's very special when you have a friend and a friendship like we have and uh, I just want everybody to know how much I appreciate uh, what Jesse brings to this church, what he brings to the kingdom, what he brings to your life. Uh, love on him a- after and let him know how great. Because it's, I tell you, I, I couldn't do what I do uh, and wouldn't want to do what I do without this man. So I appreciate you, Jess. Thank you. Uh, I'm starting a new series entitled uh, The Great Exchange. And... Uh, Oftentimes, we, we don't think about it in, when, in terms of our relationship with God. But even with God, there are, there are exchanges that have to be made that release the power of God. Now, we know that God is almighty, all-powerful, but how do we get the release of that power into our lives? How, is it, how does it become operational? Well, it becomes operational as we exchange what we have for what He has. You say, well, how accurate is that? Well, let's start with the greatest of all, which is sin. When I give God my sin in exchange, He gives me His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, His power. He gives me everything He has, and all I've done is said, God, here's my sin. None of us think of sin that way. We think of sin, how it harms us, and it does, which is why God is saying, give me your sin, and I'll release to you my power my authority. I'll give you everything you need to live the abundant life. But the problem is that sin in our hearts is so gross and, 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 and to us that we oftentimes have a hard time even telling God what our sin is. It's not like God doesn't know, but what he's saying is, I want you to give it to me. I want you to offer it to me. I want to take it so that I can give you what you need. You see, we have capacity issues, uh, and, and, and those issues, not just physical capacity, but mental capacity, emotional capacity, spiritual capacity, that things are occupying space in our soul that God says, I would love to use that space, but before I can, I need you to get rid of what's occupying it currently. So if you're bitter and you're angry, God says, I want you to know my peace and joy, but you got bitter, bitterness and anger in a spot where I want to deposit peace and joy. 
And it's very difficult sometimes because we've been wronged, treated unjustly. Things have happened. People have done things to us. And, and without realizing it, we hang on to those things. Now, some of you want to. Some of you have turned it into a pet. And you feed it every day. And, 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 and I just want you to get free of it today. So why is my life the way it is? It ain't because of mama and daddy. Now, mama and daddy might put some weight on you that, that you didn't deserve and that you didn't need. But the reality is it's time for you to cast that care, that weight upon the Lord. And, and he'll bring freedom to your soul. I, I've done this for so many years and preached since 1978. I started ministry and, and I've heard all the stories which you don't understand. Here's what I understand. Every one of us in here have been wronged. Every one of us in here has sinned. And if you haven't, the greater sin is that you don't think you've sinned. And so the reality is, when I finally came to grips with God already knew everything I was doing, that I could go ahead and tell him about it, and he's looking and going, I knew that already. But we have things in our head that we've got to give to him. In our hearts, we've got to give to him. And uh, th then then God can take that space that's been occupied by things that are not productive, things that are not helpful, and he'll fill us with his power and his strength. You've heard me tell it many times. As a, a child, I grew up in a, a rural area, and uh, so we didn't, we didn't have much money. And, and I, I guess I had an entrepreneurial mind because I was thinking, well, mom and dad didn't have the money to give me, so how am I going to get money? Well, I didn't want to go to jail, so stealing was not an option. So I began to think through it, and back in my day, uh, in the country, now some of y'all are city slickers, and, and you don't know what I'm, if I said the word bar ditch, the words bar ditch, you'd be going, well, what's that, a ditch in front of a bar? No, a bar ditch is what in the country, because of, you know, I guess water flow and all that, they dig real deep ditches on the side of the road. I mean, they'd be three and four feet deep. And so if your car ever went off in them, you were in trouble. It wasn't like a city ditch where a Toyota could get out of it. I'm talking a monster truck couldn't get out of some of the bar ditches we had. And, and back in the day, people would buy uh, soda pop, and they, would, and, you know, they weren't in aluminum cans. They were in real glass. And when they would be driving down the road, of course, back in the day, and some of you young people won't get this, but not every vehicle had air conditioning. That was an addition. Yeah, our air conditioning was four windows down and 60 miles an hour. We had 60-40 air. And so people had their windows down. They'd be drinking a soda pop, and when they were done, they'd just throw it over in the bar ditch. Well, I figured out if they were, they were throwing away a nickel every time. That was back in the day when a nickel actually meant something. Now you tell a kid a penny, they, what's a penny? Well, you're right. What is a penny? Not much. And so I, I decided that I was going to go pop bottle hunting. And I, so we lived in the country, and, and we, we'd be out all over the place, you know. And, and so I've got a wagon, and I, somehow, I don't know where I got it, but I came up with a real pop bottle rack that I strapped down to my wagon. Yeah, you'd be talking bad about me until you see the cha-ching the man got. And so I'd be going through bar ditches. I'd be putting dirty pop bottles in there, and there was all kinds of mud and everything. But, so I'd take them. I'd put them in my rack till they got full. Now, 
when the rack got full, guess what? The wagon didn't have it. I, I had it strapped down, so I was full. I, 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 had to, I had to do something. So I'd go home, I'd wash the bottles off, and then there was a corner store four blocks from my house. That's right. That was back in the day when we walked. And so I would take the bottles that I had gotten from the bar ditches that, according to the people that drank out of them, had no value. How I many you know, some people look at things, my life has no value. This has no, grace has, forgiveness has no value. You, you haven't seen the value in the exchange. I knew the value. And actually, I was reminded after the first service, Pepsi came out with a bigger bottle. And those were worth a dime. I mean, when you found one of those, you felt like you were Rockefeller. I mean, you got a dime bottle, you know. I said dime. Some of y'all, did he say what I thought he said? Dime bottle. And I'd get that. That didn't really fit in my rack real well, so I had to set it down in between the littler bottles. But I would take those bottles. Now, if I just took them home, it didn't mean much. They didn't mean anything until I got to the corner store. And trust me, I knew how many bottles I had and how much money I don't trust no clerk. I learned at an early age, you're responsible for your own thing. And so I would take them to the store, and I would give them the bottles, and they would give me the money. It was an exchange. The problem was the people who were drinking out of them didn't think they were valuable enough to save and get the money back. I am so thankful for those idiots, I mean those people. Because that's how one of the ways that I made my money. And people didn't see the value. The other thing I did after every Friday night football, and this is when I was a kid before I played, uh, you know, we had the old bleachers where they didn't have anything blocking. You dropped something, it was on the ground below, and it was dark. And there were no iPhones to go and go under and hold the light out. So I'd get up on Saturday morning after a Friday night home game, and I'd go under the stands, and I'd dig up all kinds of money. I saw the value that people were lazy with their money, I was thrilled they were lazy. If I was a preacher, I couldn't preach to them because I needed their money. Go ahead and keep dropping it, keep dropping it, keep dropping it in the name of God. Some of y'all that grew up with a silver spoon, I didn't even have a rusty one. And so I determined, I, I, I learned the value of things early on and, and I began to see if I gave the clerk the bottles, he gave me money. I thought, wow. And then I realized in life, most of life is about a trade. If you forgive, guess what happens? You'll be forgiven. That's an exchange that God said, this is a must for you. If you're going to be forgiven, you have to forgive. So we're exchanging our bitterness, our unforgiveness for his forgiveness. It's available to everybody. The challenge is that, the, that a lot of people are so afraid of being real with God that they won't confess to God their sin. Now, right now, some of y'all are thinking things that are very sinful. How did he know? Why? Because our human mind is so incredible. And I don't know if this is accurate. I've just read it and heard it for most of my life that human beings only use about 10% of their brain. 
Now, I don't know how true that is, and I'm sure scientists would argue over that, but think about the capacity of the mind that the devil is trying to steal. Think about it. The Bible says that we are to take every thought captive, and let me tell you why. Because if you keep incarcerating wrong thoughts, you'll run out of space in your mind. You have to take them captive, restrict them from occupying parts of your brain that God wants to use for His glory and His good. Thank all five of you. I feel like we're on the 18th green at a golf tournament. This is a football game, people. This is not like, oh, yes, good putt. Hit him in the head! I can't do sissy church. So here's the reality. Today, before I get started here, I want you to to think and ask yourself the question, what am I holding on to that God wants me to let go of? Because what you're holding on to will probably hold you back from what God is holding before you. People often wonder why they're not doing better then they're doing and you've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and, and you're getting the same results and, and you because you haven't let go of something. So in Isaiah chapter 61, if you'll turn there, and those of you watching again, please take advantage of the chatting that is available to you on any one of our social media platforms and engage in the service because if you don't, you'll sit there and fall asleep in your PJs. All right, hopefully. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now, some of you have listened to bad news your whole life at home, at school, on television, on the news. You've listened to it everywhere. You've listened to it in church. The reason many people don't go to church is because there are a lot of mean Christians. Mean. I'm talking mean. We get to heaven... There are going to be some mean ones standing there. Now, I don't know how God's going to deal with this because he said, all call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are some really mean saved people. Now, you and I don't think they're saved. And if, if we were standing at the gate, we'd say, depart from me, you dummy. I never knew you. Because they're just mean. And because of that, they haven't traded in their meanness. It doesn't mean they don't get to go to heaven. But I, I am going to be interested in seeing how that works out. I wonder if there will be a community called Mean. Mean Village. Can you see the entrance? Mean Village. Nobody goes in. Wouldn't it be fun just to watch them stand there and be mean to each other? No, it wouldn't be. It's terrible. See, I told you I have thoughts, random thoughts that just really are not of God. And there are just times you just look and go, I I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. It's too late. It's gone. So, God, I exchanged that word that I said for a word from you that says it's okay. You are forgiven. Now, I didn't do it intentionally. It's just you got to make a point every now and then. That was the effort. I don't know if I succeeded. He sent me to bind up good news, gospel good news. That's where I was going with that. If somebody's spouting off bad news, that lets you know right off. You probably want to exchange that friend for another one. Have you ever been around people that they can see a problem for every solution? You give them a solution, yeah, but that probably won't work. 
Get rid of those people. And then, you know, you can be polite or you can be truthful. Say, you're just negative. And we're not going to work together. We don't do that anymore because it's politically incorrect. But it's biblically perfectly correct. I think I'm going with biblical over political. All day long. Every day, all day. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. So here's a broken heart. He's going to fix it in exchange if you'll give it to him. To proclaim freedom for the captives. You have to acknowledge you're a captive. And then God says, I'll set you free. But if you don't acknowledge you're a sinner, then the cross will do you no good. It'll do good for anybody who calls on his name and, and confesses. And it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I love that part. Don't we all love that? The vengeance of our Sick them. <laughs> to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Now listen, to bestow. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Here's an exchange. The oil of gladness I'll give you for your mourning. A garment of praise I'll give you if you'll give me your spirit of despair. Then they will be called oaks of righteousness, which means they'll be strengthened, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So without the previous exchanges, we don't have the strength we need to withstand the negativity and the mourning and all the things that we're dealing with in this life until we give those to God. There are so many things in my life I still am trying to give to God. You know, I still have not figured out why people stop to make a right turn. It's like, where, where does it say, stop, knucklehead? Accelerate into the turn. You're behind him, and you're like, how long does it take to turn right? How long? Honk, honk for Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want to start the very first offensive driving school in America. Defensive driving is killing us. I want people to learn to lean into a corner. If you're going to target and you're turning into target off a pin and you're going north, accelerate into that turn. There are people behind you that need to get somewhere. And you got your license at Kmart and they're not in business anymore. Okay, I feel better now. I just exchanged all of that emotion. Okay, God, feel me. The greatest issue that we have in our country is people who don't think they have issues. You got so much to trade to God, it'll take you a lifetime. I've got so much to trade. I'm always trading up to, to God. I'm trading up. Believe in God for things that are ridiculous. That if I told you what I prayed for and believed for, you would think I was total psycho. Some of y'all pray little bitty, 
Little bitty prayers. Itsy bitsy teeny weeny little prayers. God, please take care of our water bill. That's big to you right now. But say, God, I want you to help me pay for 10 people's water bill. Gets real quiet when I talk this way. It's like really, did he just minimize my water bill? Yeah, kind of. Just a little bit, teeny-weeny little bit. We don't pray big enough prayers, target big enough. Say, God, because God, you know, we, we, we give God just a little something-something, and God gives us a whole lot of something-something. So here, here's the deal. If, if God says, okay, bring the whole tithe, the tenth into the storehouse. So here's, and this is not a finance sermon, but it, everybody understands finances. And, you know, and then I want to go ahead and irritate you early so you can be healed by the time you walk out. But God says, give me 10%. You know, you realize that 95%, over 95%, according to the Barna Research Group, over 95% of Christians do not tithe. Over 95%. I didn't come up with those numbers. George Barna Research did. What am I saying? Is we have not trusted God enough to exchange a little 10% for what he can do with 90%, which is more than 100% if we give him 10 I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm just trying to get us to understand that we are where we are, not because God lacks strength, but because we lack obedience. God, I'll give you my obedience, and God said, "Well, if you'll give me your obedience in exchange, I will open the windows of heaven. I'll make you blessed in the city and the country, coming in and going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. God says, "If you will obey me." I will take care of everything else in your life. But you've got to give it to me, and you've got to live it out. Instead, we get mad at the messenger for declaring his message. Some of y'all are already mad at me. That's all they are talking about. I'm talking about things that are going to bring blessing to your life. Get mad at me if you want. I'm going to keep ticking you off. Because the problem in our world today is we don't agitate anybody enough to do anything about their complacency and their mediocrity. I'm just a little bit of an agitator. My brothers will tell you it's true. I was a middle child, and all middle children go to heaven. I got good news for you. We just do. Middle children have it tougher than anybody. I had an older brother and a younger brother. My older brother's four years older than me, and so every time he would wear a pair of jeans and they weren't wore out, I'd get them. Well, after, how many of you know if only two people can wear the same pair of jeans and they're tore up? So my older brother got the new jeans, my little brother got new jeans, and I had to make sure the other ones, we got our value out of them. I'm having a moment. But it's a true story. Now, my mom's in heaven. She'd probably deny it if she were here, but I'd look at her and say, Mother, I love you dearly, but being a middle child sucked. feel like the Indian that cried when they're throwing out trash on the Oklahoma highways. Remember that commercial? Oh, God. Okay, I'm in trouble now. I have a tear in my eye. I've been trashed. Okay. Did I get to the oil of gladness? 
Oh, I didn't. He'll bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I'm, I'm going to get there. Trust me. Everybody has moments. I just happen to have mine in front of all of you. You get to do it privately. I have to do it publicly. Thank you, Lord. The oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So today, all we're going to get to is the exchange of our ashes for a crown of his beauty. Now, back in the day when the Bible was being written and all of these events were happening, when mourning was happening, when this, they would have put ashes on their head, and they would sit among the ashes, which let everybody know that they were struggling. It, it, it was not something they intentionally hid. It was something they let, I'm struggling. And you'll look at the book of Job, and I'll hopefully get there in a moment. But he sat in his mourning amongst the ashes. And it let people know he was suffering. In our world today, there are two kinds of people. Those who let everybody know they're suffering and those who never tell anybody they're suffering. Now, let me differentiate here. The people that always, and this is, if you're, if you're on Facebook, and I don't like Facebook, it's a necessary evil for me as a pastor to be on there. I don't like it. I, I, it's just, I think mostly it's a vomit bag. Vomit is in the Bible, by the way. Book of Revelation, if you check out the original language, is not a dirty word, though vomit is dirty. Okay? Some of you are going on a diet, you won't eat lunch. Anyway, so, but what happens is, if you'll notice, if somebody shares something, and I'm not opposed to being sensitive, please don't get that. I think we do need to share our suffering, our sorrow. I think we do. But some people, here's what happens when they start sharing their suffering and they get a lot of attention, they go, I want to find something else so I can get the same attention. You don't want attention. You want prayer. This is not about you. It's about helping you get through what you're going through. But some people see our, our, our approval addicts, attention addicts, and they find ways to get likes and comments on Facebook. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that you don't share the need and, and, and we share it with you, and I love that. But when, what I do see is sometimes people never have anything good to say, ever. And they figured out, if I am always hurting, I will always get attention. You're not helping that person, you're enabling them. Exchange this pain that you have, give it to God, and he will give you gain for your pain. We are called to pray for one another. We are called to share the, the difficulties, the sorrows, the pain. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just simply saying that are you holding on to it? Do you keep holding on because you notice that everybody comes to you when you're holding on to it? Or are you just saying, I'm letting go of this. I'm sharing it. Let's pray about it and give it to God so God can bring something good out of it. He works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But what we do sometimes is we keep hanging on to that. We got attention before. Let me keep getting attention. God says, give it to me. The beauty of the rose brings glory to the gardener. What we have to realize is when we give something to God and he takes those ashes and he creates a crown of beauty... It brings glory to him. 
This is about glorifying God. We've all been through tragedy. We've all been through difficulty. Maybe it looks a little different, but the reality is we've all been there. Some people have had it easier in life or appear to have it easier in life than other people, but it only may be an appearance. How many of you know, and I use this as an example only because it's been in the media so much lately that I like bringing things to a point that everybody understands. You, you take a Britney Spears who was one of the most creative, clever female artists back in the day who at almost 40 years old or however she is right now is struggling. She had fame. She had fortune. She had everything. We look at people and think those, those things, you know, if I had fame, if I had fortune, everything would be all right. I don't think so. It's not fame and fortune. It's not what we possess. It's who possesses us that really matters. So when you look around and you start thinking, why am I the only one going through this? That is a lie. You're not the only one. The devil loves to isolate. So you feel like nobody else is going through what you're going through. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Whatever you're facing, make an intentional effort this week to say, you know what? I'm giving up my ashes. I'm giving up my ashes, God. Here they are. You said, if I'll give them to you, you'll give me, bestow on me a crown, a beautiful crown for your glory. I'm all about mourning a period of time. People say, well, you know, I lost somebody. I'm all about it. I'm all about remembering people. I miss my dad every day. But I, I get happy when I say the great exchange is I'm going to heaven and I'll see him again. That's what I think about. I think about those things. You say, well, it's just strange. No, I want you to understand the pain is very real, but God is more real than the pain. Psalm 30 says, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. So you give the morning the sorrow for the morning. Say, God, I mourned at night, but it's morning now, and there's joy in my life. You know, it's, it's not easy. I'm not standing up here saying, well, you ought to just wake up every morning like Cinderella. What I am saying is every day it's a choice that we exchange the sorrows and the difficulties and we give them to God. A friend of mine is telling a story. He played basketball at noon. And he was pretty regular. They had a, this pickup, these same group of guys that would come out, and, and they would play for exercise and fun and and so he, he, you know, began to get to know some of the guys. And he thought, you know, I want to go out and eat. I, I like this guy, his friends, you know, just kind of Christian people, go out and fellowship. And so one day after a game, he invited his friend. He said, I, you know, you want to go to lunch? Well, his friend said, well, I'd, I'd love to, and I really appreciate the invitation, but I've got to go take chemotherapy. He said, what? He, this guy's out playing ball. What am I saying? This guy didn't wear it. He decided, I'm going to give it to God. And he said, I've got, I've got cancer for the third time and my friend was shocked because he, he was there every time they played ball he never knew that the guy had cancer because the guy never talked about it it was like every day he got up and he gave that cancer to God he said I'm exchanging it for your healing power you're going to be Jehovah Rapha in my life long story short after the third bout with cancer He's totally cancer-free. Everything is great. He just fought it, and he kept giving it to God. Kept giving it to God. He didn't have to talk about it anymore. He said, I've been through it twice. It's the third time. He said, I'm exchanging it. 
Now, I'm not suggesting you're wrong if you share it with somebody, but if you share it for the sake of pity, you've missed the point. You're sharing it for the sake of power. If two or more agree, we're agreeing, we're touching. You say, well, not everybody gets healed of cancer. Well, not everybody goes to heaven either. But that doesn't mean we quit believing in God. That doesn't mean we, we quit dealing with our sin. Just because everybody, It doesn't mean we quit talking about it. I used to battle this in the movement when I first got into the, the full gospel thing of, well, you know, ultimate healing. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be healed on earth every time but one. And then I'm going to be healed eternally. Argue with that, but argue with somebody else. You know, I, I wish I, got, I woke every day. I wish I awoke every day with no thought on my mind of challenges I face and difficulties and all the things that all of us face. But what I've realized is the challenges that I face strengthen the relationship with God that I have. I quit asking God to take things away and started asking God to fill me with the things I need to make them go away. We're asking God to do things that Jesus already empowered us to do. In fact, you and I have a role to play in getting through things. Matter of fact, he said, he said he's able to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine according to the power that works in us. So the question is, how much power are you possessing? How much space are you giving to void the power or take away the power? How much space are you giving to the power of God? And what are you doing with the power of God? If I face a mountain I've already prayed about, I'm not going to pray about that mountain anymore. I'm going to speak to that mountain. Say, I've already said, I've already asked God to help me. Now, mountain, get out of my way. I don't ask God to build mosaic. I thank God that he's building mosaic. I thank God he's building you. I thank God he's doing great things in your life. Why? Because I've already asked him to do it. If I keep asking him, how much do I trust him? Another friend tells a story of his daughter was growing up, about 15, 16 years old, and he was sitting in his easy chair. He said uh, she was so loving, kind, sweet daughter, and, and she came downstairs, and she said, Dad, I, I'm going to go out and, you know, going out with some friends. Uh, can, could, I have, could I have $20? He looked and said, well, well, sure, you can have $20. Go upstairs, and it's, it's on my nightstand. Just go get it. And she starts walking toward the front door. He said, I, it's upstairs. She said, I already got it. She said, I knew what you were going to say. She said, I knew you would let me have it. In other words, she said, I knew it was already done. Let me tell you something. And God is so much better than my friend. But we go to God and we don't expect it. We, or we would have already said, I, I got this. You have no idea how much control you have when it comes to your destiny. The problem is most people spend the control they have on somebody else trying to control them. I'm telling you, it's so much fun to live free. I can't even tell you. It is so much fun. I used to live my life based on what you would think about my preaching. Now I really don't care. I think it's awesome. Um, every time I leave, I'm so edified and built up. I'm just like, bring it. And, it, it, you, know, I, and I, you know, I'm kind of kidding. Um, but the reality is I, I, I'm convinced that, that I don't have to have 
some man or woman's approval. I've got God's approval. You have God's approval. He loves you. He thinks you're awesome. You've been running yourself down while God's trying to pick you up. It's time for you to start joining God and saying, I'm all that and a whole family bag of chips. I mean, family size. And, of course, religious people will call you arrogant, and you'll look at them, I'm just confident and full of faith. And you can eat your little mini bag with five Doritos in it. Because that's all you typically get in those little bags. <laughs> God wants to put on you, bestow on you, a crown of beauty. God wants to put it on you. Bestow means to trade in the Greek there. So God said, you, you know, I will trade you. I will exchange for you. I'll give you. I'll put it on your head. You don't have to. I'll put it there. But will you walk it out? I believe it was 1996. It was a young lady that had dreamed her whole life of becoming Miss America since she was a little girl. She lived in Florida, and she got old enough. She was a musician, very talented, very pretty. But in the great state of Florida, every year she would run when she got old enough for Miss Florida. First year she ran, she lost. Got a little closer the second year. Ran a third year, lost three times. Don't you think that that girl had to look and say, God, why me? I've worked my whole life for this. I've, I've, I've honed my skill in music. I've, I, I've done everything I know to do. But instead of doing that, she kept believing. And she decided, I'm going to keep exchanging the doubt, the fear, the criticism, the why are you doing this again. I'm, gonna, I'm changing that for trust in God. So she left Florida and moved to Kansas. Now, come on, man. I'm going to tell you, Kansas. God created the world, and there was a spot left, and he went, let's call it Kansas. I mean, seriously. Have you ever been there? And probably not, because it ain't on anybody's bucket list. Kansas. Now, I'm giving those of you who are from Kansas an opportunity to get strengthened and overcome your offense. So she moves to Kansas, and the very first year that she ran for Miss Kansas, she won. <laughs> now, you got to think, first off, people like me would probably not be encouraging to her. Come on. People are not moving to Kansas. They're moving out of Kansas if they know there are other places other than Kansas. And so she wins Miss Kansas, which gave, made her, uh, uh, gave her the opportunity to, to compete in the Miss America pageant. And so she, she's all excited. She goes. I believe it was in 1996, which would have made her Miss America 97. That would have been her year. In the fall of, uh, fall of 1996, she was in the final group of women, just the final few. And when they announced first runner-up, she was all that was left. She knew she was Miss America. When she was asked, were you afraid walking that 90-some-foot walkway, being Miss America, she said, I'd walked it more times than I could count in my head. She kept seeing what could be instead of what was and what wasn't. 
That year, Chantel Smith approached her and took the crown off of her head and put it on Tara's head. God is saying, will you come to me? You don't have to do one thing other than make your head available, and I will crown you. See, the challenge is we've not given God the ashes, and God without the ashes cannot give us a crown. The ashes of sin, fear, doubt, mistakes, flaws. Some of, you, some of you have been through so many things and you beat yourself up. I should have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I can't believe I did that. My life is over. I, no, your life is never over. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've done or haven't. I'm getting ready to create a bucket list for my life. At 80 years old, I'm going to do things that 40-year-old men cannot do. See, that... You, the air just went out of the room. Well, who does he think he is? I am a child of God, and nothing is impossible with God. I'm giving my God, I'm giving God my old age for youth, baby. God here. <laughs> just asking God to do what he did for the tin man in Wizard of Oz. Oil me, God. Oil me. <laughs> It's not that I can't do the things anymore. It's just a lot slower starting when I get up in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I sound like a Rice Krispies box. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. I can tell y'all quit eating Rice Krispies. That's all we had when we was a kid. They didn't have any sugar added, so it was cheaper. God wants to bestow on you a crown of beauty. Be honest with God. Give him your sin. Give him your doubt. Give him your fear. Give him your unbelief. Give him all the things that you've been holding on to. The teacher who told you you'll never amount to anything. The parent who abandoned you and rejected you and neglected you. And now you have issues of abandonment and neglect. God has never neglected you. God has never abandoned you. He sent his only son to connect with you. So take the abandonment issues, the rejection issues, the, all the issues you have, and give them to God and say, God, here they are. Now give me beauty. Give me a crown of beauty for the ashes I've experienced in my life. I'm not living with them anymore. I didn't understand that Cinderella meant that she had cinder all over her, ashes over her. Her name was Ella. So how many of you know Cinderella's a beautiful name till you know what cinder is? And then you got the name Ella, which we don't see a lot anymore. And there's probably an Ella watching right now going, well, I'm Give your ashes to Jesus. Don't attack me. God has incredible things. What will you do to access the incredible? How big is your want to? People say, well, I, I want the presence of God in my life. You never open your Bible and you never go to church. Snap. <laughs> Bam. I want peace. Well, okay. He said he would keep you in perfect peace if your mind stayed on him. I want joy, and his presence is fullness of joy, so you've got to give him some time in order to get his presence. It gets real quiet when I talk this way. There are churches that say, God will take care of it. Well, God made taking care of it available to you, but he ain't going to do everything for you. What are you going to do 
to get all of God there is to get. I'm going after it. And you know what? If you don't get yours, I'm going to ask God for it. I noticed they're not taking it, God. You know, like the poor family. The brother didn't like pork chops, but I did. I'm taking his pork chop, all right? You don't eat your pork chop. The crow is flying your way. Do the chop. God is an awesome God. And he's not afraid of the grossest, worst sin. He's not afraid of your worst habit. The worst thing you're going through right now, you say, but I just don't know if I can quit. Keep giving it to God every day. Just give it to God every day. He never gets tired of you. He loves you. Just keep giving it to him. Watch and see what he gives to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for offering up an exchange. You gave us your son. We give you our sin. It's an incredible trade. So, Lord... I pray for everyone watching, everyone listening, everyone paying attention. Lord, I pray today that we would start giving you the things in our lives that are holding us back from the life you've called us to live. With every head bowed, every eye closed, the very greatest exchange is when you say, God, here's my sin, and God says, here's your salvation. Here's your eternity. Here's your heaven. So I want to pray a prayer and ask all of you to pray with me, those of you in here today and those of you watching online. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. In exchange, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's a great exchange. And so those of you who prayed that prayer to recommit your life or maybe it's the first time you prayed it, Text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. Same number, different word. The word SAVED triggers it and lets us know, hey, this is what I just happened in my life. You can put your name there if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. But we just want you to know that it's an act of faith on your part. After you prayed a prayer of faith, the act of faith is saying this is what happened. Do it right now. Text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310. Okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.